Welcome to the Disney Quest, the very first and inaugural episode, your go-to podcast for all things Disney vacation planning and your key to the world. I'm your host, Stephanie, and today we have a very special episode lined up for you. I'll be sharing my tips and tricks for traveling to Walt Disney World during the summer months. So grab a cool drink, sit back, and let's dive in. First, just a little bit of background. I do live in Central Florida. I am an annual pass holder. Um, I have been going to Disney World almost my entire life. I would say that as a child, I grew up in New England. I grew up in Connecticut. And my family would make trips to Disney about two to three times a year. Um, And as a kiddo, I remember thinking about how you know, Disney was really my second home and Florida was my second home. So when I was old enough, I moved down here and started a family here um, and instantly became an annual pass holder. I have traveled to Disney a countless amount of times. I'm currently an annual pass holder and I do visit a lot. I visit a lot (laughs) and that's just being honest. Um, I do have family and friends who live locally. Um, Some also live out of state. And actually, my brother-in-law lives in Norway, out of country. So um, when they do travel, even my friends who are here locally, my family who's here locally, they do reach out to me and uh, they ask for vacation planning tips. And um, I feel as though I've never disappointed them. They can let me know in the comments if they have ever felt disappointed. But I definitely think my years of traveling to Disney and adopting with the, as Disney progressed with their magic bands and as they progressed with the digital aspect of Disney World planning, I really adapted. Um, Technology is something that comes easy and natural to me. And I do love the integration Um, the integration of the technology here at the Disney World Parks. I know that for some people, it's not the easiest uh, to navigate. I can tell you that my sister absolutely hates it. She doesn't want to be on her phone while she is in the parks. And that's where usually I come in as the little, (laughs) I am the genie in in my family um, to say. So I have had family and friends visit during the summer months. I also go with my family and friends during the summer months. And I can tell you that I typically try to avoid the summer um, due to the crowds, due to the temperature. And um, it's just, it's a lot. When the temperature increases and when crowds increase, it definitely increases the intensity of planning that you must do in order to make sure that your time spent at Disney World is very valuable. But saying that, it's not impossible. It just takes a little bit of extra planning. So summertime at Walt Disney World is a truly magical experience. Typically your kiddos are home and it's easier to travel in the summer months. I can tell you that I do work in the education fields. Um, so I do have summers off. I'm very fortunate to have summers off with my family, but traveling to Walt Disney World in the summer can be very tricky. It comes with some unique challenges. 
the parks are hustling and bustling with visitors, um, locals, or people that are traveling from all over the country. And the Florida heat can be very, very intense. Right now, I can tell you, <laughs> I have my brother-in-law visiting from Norway, and I have never seen, I mean, I've seen temperatures like this, but it's rather unfortunate that we are in the mid to high 90s almost every single day. But sometimes the summer months is the only time that people do have vacation time. So it is when kiddos are home from school. You don't want them to miss a lot of school days. I can understand that. So fear not because I do have some insider tips and tricks to help you make the most of your summer adventure. Tip number one, we're talking about beating the heat. So as I stated, um, it has been the last couple of weeks here in Florida, the first couple of weeks here in July, it has been crazy hot. And I love the heat. It's the reason why I moved to Florida. I would absolutely rather deal with nine months of heat and a couple months of cold compared to nine months of cold and a couple months of warmth. Um, so that's why I moved from New England to Florida, one of the very many reasons. But when I say it's been so hot here, it's been incredibly hot. I have no other way to describe it. Typically, it has been between the mid-90s to the high-90s, and that's the actual temperature. The feels-like temperature here has been, it's not uncommon to see it as feels-like in the hundreds or higher. Um, and unfortunately, the heat is now rising earlier in the day. So you can say 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock. It's 12 o'clock here right now and we're already at 96. Um, the other day I was at Dunkin' Donuts. It was 10.30 in the morning and it said 92 out. And I said, there's no way. There's no way it's 92 out. It's just gotta be my car. I just got in it. And no, nope. By the time I got home, it was 95. And that's literally before 11 a.m. So first things first, let's talk about staying cool. So Florida summers can be absolutely scorching. As I've said, it's essential to stay hydrated and take breaks in the shade. Now that's obvious. Um, typically when I travel to Disney World, if I do know it's going to be hot out the night before or a couple days before, we will freeze some water bottles. Water at Disney, I think is $5 a bottle or like foreign change. It goes between four and $5. Like it's wild. And that's just your regular Dasani water that they have. It's nothing special. It's no magic Mickey water. It's literally regular bottled water. Um, so typically before I know we're going to travel, I will go to my local Walmart or Target or Publix. Um, that's our grocery store here. And I will pick up like a 12 or 24 case of water. I will put it in the freezer and freeze them overnight or freeze them a couple nights and we will bring those frozen water bottles to the park. I'll load up my, my backpack, any a number of my Disney backpacks, and even if they are frozen, they absolutely will defrost very quickly during the day. So typically I do like to bring um, some that are not completely frozen, some are, that are just cold, and then some that are absolutely rock solid because those will last you. So bringing water is an excellent tip and trick you're going to need a lot of water they do have water refill water bottle refill stations they did get rid of those for a while during covid um we are lucky to have those back 
I am working on creating a blog where anything that we talk about, I'm going to transcribe what we've talked about and then maybe give you the locations of some things that I've talked about. So those water bottle refill stations um, are located throughout the park. You can also get a cup of water or a cup for water at almost all, if not all, of the quick service restaurants. So that's something very, very important to know. Um, so if you brought your own water bottle, which you absolutely should, uh, you can, and you're at a quick service restaurant and there are not water, not a lot of them, not all of them have the water bottle refill stations. You can ask for a cup of water and kind of do it that way. Obviously we're talking about water. So we're going to talk about those other things, those other essential sunscreen. Oh my, even if you do not believe you will be in direct sunlight for very long, which it's Florida, you absolutely will. Um, and it's Disney, you absolutely will, depending on what park you're going to. Even Magic Kingdom right now, there's not a lot of shade. There used to be a whole bunch of trees, whole bunch of shade. Uh-uh. And, and those shady spots are going to be taken up real quick. So make sure you have sunscreen on you. My kids hate the spray-on sunscreen. I love it because it's so quick and easy. My kids don't like when we put sunscreen on their face. So they actually, I don't know if you guys know this, it's a tip and trick, but they make sunscreen that is like shaped like a deodorant that you can rub on your face. And my kids love those, um, especially my daughter, especially getting those sensitive places near their eyes, the little deodorant stick, absolutely. All right, so tip number two I wanna talk about is planning your days strategically, especially if you haven't been recently. So we do have Tron open, Guardians of the Galaxy, Cosmic Rewind, and the Ratatouille ride, which the name is escaping me right now. <laughs> But we do have the ride to ride in Epcot. So, um, and we also have Star Wars. I know a lot of people who have not experienced all that there is to experience at Star Wars, including Rise of Resistance, which is really unfortunate. It's important that you plan your days strategically. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, in the summer months with the rising temperatures, what you're going to want to do is rope drop and rope drop for i'm sure all you disney fans out there know what rope drop is but rope drop is when you get there as soon as the park opens if you are staying in one of those disney world resorts you are able to get into the park 30 minutes before the park opens typically it's even before that i know at magic kingdom um they will let you in about 45 minutes earlier you get to walk all the way down main street and then they hold you at those entrances to the different lands they'll stop you there they kind of keep you in that hub area um and it can get a little crazy i have definitely been in there and everybody's kind of inching up pushing up pushing up kind of like a concert almost um trying to be the first one or the closest one to the stage um so but i absolutely recommend rope dropping i can tell you that last year my sister was visiting from michigan with her daughter and i had brought my two kids we were staying at the uh dolphin and we decided to rope drop absolutely everything um we did go to animal kingdom and it was still dark out that's how early it was i believe it was like 6 30 in the morning um the early entrance was at 7 30 a.m so i do typically recommend if you are going to use the 
early entry. It does state 30 minutes. I absolutely would recommend getting there an hour beforehand. So if Epcot, I know for example, opens at nine, they do say early entry is 8.30. Try and arrive by 7.30 a.m. Now that sounds absolutely crazy, but I can tell you, if you're getting in 30 minutes early, you are able to get all the things you want to get done within an appropriate time frame. That will put you out of the park as the temperatures are increasing. So I can guarantee that if you get to the park at an hour before the early entry time, typically you're able to get those hard hitting long line rides done, those e-ticket attractions done by lunchtime. So by 12 o'clock, one o'clock, you are able to leave the park being pretty satisfied with the things that you have done. Um, now that is in conjunction with Genie Plus and the Lightning Lane service. We're not going to talk about that today. I'm actually going to save that for another podcast time. But I can tell you, if you get to the park first thing, an hour before that early entry, that puts you in a much better position to get the rides done that you would like to get done. Typically, you're gonna walk on the first two rides I would say that you're going to do at any of the parks. Um, And the wait times will increase as the hours go by, but you will be set up for your day if you get there about an hour early. We also need to talk about if you are getting to the park very early, please make sure you eat breakfast. That could be something as easy as a piece of fruit, a bowl of cereal. I've even done cups of cereal. If we're staying in the hotel room, I'll have cups and cereal and I just pour it into a cup for my kids. Here you go. Um, A bagel, something super easy because what's gonna happen if you're gonna eat breakfast that early? Well, you're gonna get hungry for lunch early. And I would typically suggest eating lunch around 10 to 10.30 a.m. So 10.30 is gonna be that sweet spot. I can tell you, lunch times at Disney are exactly what you think they're going to be. They're that 1130 to 1230 time. I would say between and honestly, 12 to one is crazy busy. You do not want to be eating when everybody else is eating. You want to be kind of going against the flow of what you would normally do in your day to day because people are creatures of habit. So waking up at the same time, eating lunch around noon, dinner at five, bed at nine or eight, whatever you guys do. They're going to want to do that on their Disney vacation. So you kind of want to go against those norms. So rope drop. I have two two sides to this. If you're going to rope drop, make sure you get there and you're staying at a Disney resort. Get there an hour before early entry. Eat lunch at 10 to 1030. It's going to feel crazy. It's going to feel wild. But I promise When you're done eating lunch by 11 o'clock and those people are coming in for lunch, there goes your wait times down. And that's when you go finish up your day, go finish up the last couple of rides you wanna do, and then take a break at that 12 o'clock, one o'clock time. If you are not staying at a Disney resort, the same rules apply. So what you wanna do is you wanna arrive about an hour before park officially opens. So, Epcot, again, opens at nine. You do want to get there at eight o'clock. You will be standing in a different area than the people with the early entry. 
But again, the rules kind of apply. They let you in a little bit earlier. It's a secret. They will let you in earlier than that nine o'clock open time. They just kind of group the entries differently. Um, but again, breakfast super early, lunch super early, leaving super early. Now, if you're leaving the park early, 12, one o'clock, and you are staying at a Disney resort, that's the perfect time for a swim, change your clothes, have a snack, have a drink, do something of that that's going to relax you so that you can go to the next park, so you can do the next thing. And this is where the second part of this tip comes in. So planning your day strategically means also going to the park later, later in the day. So there have been some days, and again, I live locally here. I don't want to get up at five o'clock in the morning to eat breakfast to drive the 35 minutes. So what I will typically do, let's say Magic Kingdom is open until in the summertime, it's been about 10, sometimes it's 11 for those staying off property. Um, so what I will typically do is I will not go to the park until at least four o'clock. And that means leaving my house at four. So I typically arrive at 4.30, 5 o'clock. Now, what does that mean? What do people normally do at five o'clock? Well, they usually eat dinner. I like to make sure I have fed my kids. I have eaten dinner. Yes, does it seem early? Absolutely, but guess what? That means you're gonna have a late night or an early night snack in there somewhere. So don't worry about it. Um, so I will, and even if you're staying on Disney property, so if you don't want to get up early, you want to sleep in, I absolutely understand. Maybe you were at watching the fireworks in Magic Kingdom super late last night. Maybe it was a, um, a late night. Maybe there were extra evening hours, which we will talk about in a minute because you are a deluxe resort guest. So maybe you had a late night, maybe you had a late dining reservation. You don't want to get up early. That's a okay. Enjoy your morning enjoy your afternoon and head out to the park right around that four o'clock time, four, 4.30, making sure you have absolutely eaten dinner or something that could, something that's pretty substantial for dinner before heading into the park. So what's gonna happen is because you're going in later, guess what? The temperatures are not as hot because the sun is not up in the sky directly above you. So you have missed that midday hustle and bustle of the parades at Magic Kingdom. You've missed the midday of people who woke up kind of late and they're running behind or they didn't want to rope drop. You've missed that big chunk in the middle of people or even park hopping. Park hopping now is back available um, at two o'clock. So you've missed that kind of that, that traffic in the middle of the day. Um, so by arriving at 4.30, 4, 4.30, you've already eaten dinner, that's what everybody else is doing. If you're at Epcot, there are sunshine seasons, while well, you are on uh, Guardians of the Galaxy or you are on Test Track while everybody's eating dinner. Um, or Soren. Soren, honestly, lately has not been the longest wait, which is crazy. Also, going to the park later in the day hopefully means that you're well rested. If you were at the park in the morning and now this is your second park, you went to the hotel, 
you relaxed, you swam, you took a nap, you had a drink, you did all those things, all those things that are going to make it easier for you to stay out later. Um, now let's talk about another part C or part three, wherever I am, of planning your day strategically. So you do want to look at, they are offering the extra evening hours for hotel Disney hotel guests that are staying at the deluxe resort. Now, unfortunately, the moderate hotels like Caribbean Beach, um, Port Orleans, French and Riverside, and the value resorts such as the All-Star, the Pop Century, the Art of Animation, which is crazy that that's a value. But anyway, um, those are unfortunately not included. So let's talk about these extended evening park hours. So typically they do vary, um, but it is going to be only for those deluxe resort guests, unfortunately. Um, but a little trick that I discovered is that it does include, so that's like your Animal Kingdom Lodge, Beach Club, Yacht Club, Wilderness Lodge, Polynesian, um, any of the villas, um, but what it does include, which is 10 out of 10, this is the best, the best thing ever because it really changed my Disney vacation when my sister was here. It includes the Swan and Dolphin Hotels. Now, what's great about the Swan and Dolphin Hotels is right now, and this is a whole nother video, but they're offering 30% off in for annual pass holders. So if you are an annual pass holder, holy moly, um, it's a pretty good deal. So right now you're looking at like $250 a night for the Swan and Dolphin. Um, they do have this reserve, which is a more of a deluxe tier option. But I can tell you, I stayed at the Dolphin and we had a view of the theme park so we we were looking towards hollywood studios so you can have two views at the dolphin um and i i believe this one you can see hollywood studios or epcot we had the we had a view of hollywood studios and we only paid about 300 a night where if you're talking about contemporary polynesian um grand floridian any of those kind of Beach Club, Yacht Club, Boardwalk. Those are going to run you at least $350. I would say $350 to sometimes $550 a night. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. I 100% recommend. Now, the Swan and Dolphin isn't... Um, it's Disney themed, but not really. It's like hints. Like, you can tell you're at Disney World, but it's it's nothing like staying in an actual Disney World hotel, Disney World themed hotel. But you get access to those um, extended evening theme park hours. So right now they are running um, their, the evening hours have been Magic Kingdom and Epcot. I've not seen any for Animal Kingdom or Hollywood Studios. Um, but what it typically gives you is two to three extra hours in the park. So if you're following the you didn't wake up early or you're park hopping to your next park, 
after waking up early and then taking a nice good break in the middle, going to the next park for the evening. You don't have to get to, let's say Epcot's open till, Epcot's typically open until nine. Um, but with this, it's open until 11. So that really means you don't have to get there until like six o'clock. That gives you a solid five hours in the park at Epcot. It's, it's wild. It's a wild thing. So you do, if you do want to go to the park kind of later in the day and you're staying at one of the deluxe resorts or you're staying at the Swan and Dolphin, which I highly recommend to use this, um, going to the park later in the day is not going to affect you at all. It's 0% going to affect you because you have those five hours in the morning. So let's say you didn't get up early. You got there as soon as the park opened. 9, 10, 11, 12, 1, 2, 2 o'clock. That's so many hours. That's five hours. Five hours. And what happens with the extended evening hours is because it's for a limited, it's not offered to every Disney World Resort guest. It's limited um, to the Deluxe Resorts or the Swan and Dolphin or the Shades of Green. I'm sorry. I also didn't mention that one. Um the wait times are zero to none, zero to none, even in the summertime, even in the summertime, it's going to be a third of what you would wait during the day. Um, so absolutely take advantage of that. Now, again, now, again, if you're like me and you're local and maybe you're just going for a day trip, you're not staying at one of the hotels, you do not have access to this extended evening theme park hours, or if you are staying at moderate or a value resort, unfortunately, you don't have access to this, which is crazy because it used to be for everybody. Um, but that's another, another conversation for another day. That is okay. I would still recommend going to the parks around that four o'clock hour, that four or 4.30 kind of hour, um, making sure you've eaten dinner beforehand, but it still gives you a significant amount of time without the sun in the sky, without needing copious amounts of water, copious amounts of sunscreen, um, and you still have a lot of time to do what you want to do. And typically by then, um, those high need rides, those e-ticket attractions have already been ridden by the people who wanted to ride them. Um, so that's really nice. So two sides of the coin here. You can either get there super early in the day or you can get there later in the day or you can do both. You can get there early in the day, take a break if you're staying locally at a Disney hotel or any of the hotels in the area and then go back to the park later in the day. Highly recommend. Highly recommend. Um, again, my sister and I used this strategy. We stayed at the Dolphin in the morning We did the early entry hours to Magic Kingdom. We were able to get um, all the major rides done. So we did Splash Mountain, RIP. We did Splash Mountain, Thunder Mountain, Space Mountain. So all those high attractions. We did not do um, the Seven Dwarfs Mine Train. Absolutely could have done it. It's just not a, a top priority for us. So we did that. We did like... Buzz Lightyear, Haunted Mansion, Pirates, all of those 
all of those staple attractions. We did all of that and we ate lunch at 10 30, took a break. We went back to the hotel around noonish, one o'clock, took a break, had a drink, sat on the um the patio that we had at the dolphin. And then because of the dolphin here another thing about the Swan and Dolphin, it's located in between Hollywood Studios and Epcot. Then we walked to Epcot at about five o'clock at night and we were able to do Soarin', Test Track, all of those awesome, I think we, we also got in Guardians. We were able to do those awesome attractions um, all in one day and not feel exhausted and not spend a lot of time waiting in line. So excellent, highly recommend, highly recommend. So let's talk about these extended evening park hours. So typically they do vary, um, but it is going to be only for those deluxe resort guests, unfortunately. Um, but a little trick that I discovered is that it does include, so that's like your Animal Kingdom Lodge, Beach Club, Yacht Club, Wilderness Lodge, Polynesian, um, any of the villas, um, but what it does include, which is 10 out of 10, this is the best, the best thing ever because it really changed my Disney vacation when my sister was here. It includes the Swan and Dolphin hotels. Now, what's great about the Swan and Dolphin hotels is right now, and this is a whole nother video, but they're offering 30% off in for annual pass holders. So if you are an annual pass holder, holy moly. Um, it's a pretty good deal. So right now you're looking at like $250 a night for the Swan and Dolphin. All right, so tip number three, we are gonna talk about the use of Genie Plus, Lightning Lane, and the virtual queues here at Walt Disney World. Um, I'm not gonna go too deeply into it. We are gonna have a separate podcast which covers all the ins and outs of Genie Plus and Lightning Lane. Um, but I did want to talk about it because in the summertime, it may be something that you would like to add to your Disney vacation to make sure you're maximizing your time here at Walt Disney World. So Genie Plus is something that you access from your My Disney Experience app, which I'm sure a lot of us have or most of us have who are listening to this podcast today. Just really quick, the My Disney Experience app, you do create an account on there. Typically, it is tied to your park tickets, your dining reservations, hotel reservations, as well as Genie Plus, Lightning Lane, and the virtual queues. Genie Plus, um, you do have access to it for free but it's really the paid service that is gonna give you the most value when it comes to planning your day. So Lightning Lane in particular, there are two options for Lightning Lane. Typically, it's the paid service of Genie Plus in which you select a return time for the particular attraction that you wanna do and you are able to join a shorter line at the attraction or it is the virtual queue option and a little bit about virtual queue. There are two current virtual queues here at Walt Disney World. One is the Guardians of the Galaxy Cosmic Rewind attraction. The other is the Tron, the new roller coaster attraction at Magic Kingdom. 
So the way that you're going to join the virtual queue, I'm sure a lot of us know, but let's just talk about it really quick. You are gonna log into your My Disney Experience app at 7 a.m. You wanna log in a little bit before, we'll talk about that in a second, but you do have access to the virtual queue at 7 a.m. What you're gonna do is you're gonna make sure your party is there and then you're gonna click join virtual queue. When you join the virtual queue, it will give you a boarding group. Unfortunately, there is not a time to select, so you cannot line it up with other dining reservations or other plans you had had in the day. It will assign you a random boarding group. What I can tell you about these random boarding groups um, is they are pretty flexible. At Guardians, my sister and I just had a recent experience where we had Space 220, a dining reservation, which is very hard to get, which we will talk about dining reservations in another podcast and how to score those top tier dining reservations that are always sold out. We did have a Space 220 dining reservation at the same exact time that our Guardians virtual queue boarding group was called. Um, we spoke with a Disney guest services representative at the park and she had stated always, always, always do your dining reservation first because in the My Disney Experience app, it will show your itinerary for the day. So if there's ever a problem um, when you are trying to get into a virtual queue after your boarding group has already been called and expired, you're able to show, hey, but I had a, din a dining reservation at the same time. And they, I've never had an issue with a cast member ever. Um, I can tell you that guardians typically, if my boarding group has already expired and been called hours before, um, they have let me on. I have not experienced a situation with that. They're very accommodating. Um, as long as it's within, you know, we're not talking eight hours, 10 hours, 12 hours. We're talking maybe an hour, two or three. So they've been very accommodating there. Um, what I've heard, I have not experienced this, but I do want to warn you with Tron, they have not been as accommodating over there. Now... In my experience, I believe I was about an hour late for my Tron boarding group, um, not due to a dining reservation, not due to transportation issues, really just kind of my own fault. And they did let us on. I do know when the attraction first opened, there was a lot of want and desire to ride the ride at night because of how cool the awning looks and how um, the experience is just a little bit different when you ride it at night because it's lit differently in the evening hours. Um, so I do know there were people who were getting boarding groups that were being called at nine o'clock in the morning and trying to ride it after dusk, after sunset, and they were being denied. Um, I'm not sure how valid that statement is Today, again, I have never experienced that. Um, in my most recent experience, I was about an hour late for the boarding group um, because my fingers were a little too fast and I got one of the first boarding groups and there was no way I was getting my kids, my husband and my parents, we were staying at Wilderness Lodge. There was no way I was getting them all out and to Magic Kingdom by the time our boarding group um, had expired because again, we were one of the first ones. Uh, so again, we didn't have, we didn't have a problem, but 
you never know. It's on a case-by-case basis. For the Genie Plus, you can purchase that through the My Disney Experience app. You do need to have a valid Park Pass reservation for the days that you are purchasing Genie Plus. Your first Genie Plus selection will need to be at 7 a.m. So same as Virtual Queue, 7 a.m. on the day that you want to use that Genie Plus experience. Um, I can tell you that things like the Remy's Ratatouille Adventure at Epcot, that was something that when my sister was here on vacation during spring break, we did purchase that. And that was one of the things that we absolutely grabbed first thing 7 a.m. The cool thing about Genie Plus that is not offered with the virtual queue experience is that you are able to select a time. So for example, I knew that we were going to be rope dropping um, Animal Kingdom in the morning and then finishing up at Epcot in the later evening. So at 7 a.m., I logged in to the My Disney Experience app and I selected the Ratatouille ride for around five o'clock. So I knew that Animal Kingdom, we would rope drop, we'd get the things done that we want to get done. And then at five o'clock in the afternoon, later in the day, we did have that Remy's Ratatouille Adventure reservation waiting for us. The cool thing about selecting a Genie Plus reservation is that if you're time, your reservation time is longer than an hour and 20 minutes, you are able to grab another Genie Plus reservation. So if you are not going to the parks until later in the day, for example, I was using Epcot. So I selected a 5 p.m. Remy's Ratatouille Adventure Genie Plus reservation. After the park opens is when the time officially starts. So 9 a.m. is when Epcot opened. So 120 minutes later would be 11 a.m. At 11 a.m., I was able to select another Genie Plus reservation, which we grabbed Test Track, which was later in the day. So while I was still at Animal Kingdom with my sister, we were um, rope dropping all the rides that we wanted to do over there. I was actually selecting Genie Plus reservations at another theme park for our time later in the day. So you do not need to use Genie Plus like the example that I just gave where I was at one park trying to use it for another. You can use it like the early access to the parks that I was talking about. So let's say I'm going to Magic Kingdom. I'm in 30 minutes early, but I arrived an hour early, but I'm in 30 minutes early. At 7 a.m., I would select a ride reservation for let's say the Seven Dwarfs Mine Train. Um, you know you're going to be there if park opens at 9. You're going to be there at 8.30. They do not have Lightning Lane reservations before park open. So let me kind of be more clear on that. They only have the Genie Plus Lightning Lane reservations for the park hour time. There are no Genie Plus reservations um, during the early entry hours, and there are no Genie Plus reservations in the evening hours for those deluxe guests or the Swan Dolphin um, shades of green guests. So at 7 a.m., I would select a popular e-ticket attraction. So that is possibly the Seven Dwarfs Mine Train, Space Mountain, Thunder Mountain, not currently Splash Mountain, unfortunately. I would select one of those for probably 9 a.m. So let's say I'm going to rope drop Space Mountain because I know everybody's going to Seven Dwarfs Mine Train. 
Or maybe I want to rope drop some Dwarf's Mine Train, be one of the first ones, and then grab a Lightning Lane reservation for something around nine, which would be Thunder Mountain or Space Mountain. So that would be the way I would use it. Um, and as soon as you get to the touch point with your magic band or your phone, which is another really cool thing, which I should really talk about, um, it will make it on your account that you are able to grab another lightning lane reservation. But again, you can stack them up like later in your day, or you can kind of do them as you go touch point to touch point. Now I'm a person who touch point to touch point, I will absolutely be in the queue on my phone, trying to get another one for my friends and family. Um, that's just kind of the person that I am. But if that's not your style, that's absolutely okay. But I suggest it. At least have somebody in your family who can do that for you or reach out to me at thedisneyquest at gmail.com and I can absolutely maybe provide that service to you. One more thing, we do need to talk about the individual lightning lanes super fast. This is not something I've ever done. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, I've done it once and it was for Avatar Flight of Passage. Um, my, I was with my parents and my father had never ridden it before. I think he had ridden it once and it's one of his favorite rides. He never gets to do it. So I knew I was going to Animal Kingdom with him. This was last July and I decided to do the individual Lightning Lane price. At the time, I believe it was probably $15 a person, which for me wasn't anything to kind of balk at. Um, because it was a special experience and a special opportunity, I was like, ah. Can, I'll do it for my dad's. So currently at Walt Disney World, the individual lightning lanes that are offered at Magic Kingdom would be Seven Dwarfs Mine Train and Tron Light Cycle Run. At Hollywood Studios, you have Rise of Resistance, the Star Wars ride. At Animal Kingdom, Avatar Flight of Passage. And at Epcot, they offer the Guardians of the Galaxy Cosmic Rewind. Now, there are two that I would not suggest that you do the individual lightning lane for, and that would be Tron, Light Cycle Run, and the Guardians of the Galaxy Cosmic Rewind. This is because they offer the virtual queue at 7 a.m., and they also offer it at 1 p.m. in the afternoon. So if you are not able to get up at that 7 a.m. and join that virtual queue, you're able to try again at 1 p.m. as long as you were within the park of the virtual queue attraction that you would like to join. So for Tron at 1 p.m., you do need to be in Magic Kingdom. And for Guardians of the Galaxy Cosmic Rewind, you do need to be within Epcot. I don't recommend it for those attractions because those are things that you can easily get in line for. Um, the individual Lightning Lane is a shorter line. It is kind of the fast passes, fast pass line. So if you're looking at the lightning lane as a fast pass line, the individual lightning lane would be an even faster fast pass line, if that makes any sense. So um, would not recommend it for those two attractions. The other ones, if they are on your bucket list, is Seven Dwarfs Mine Train, Rise of Resistance, or Avatar Flight of Passage are on your bucket list. And if it's not something you could have snagged a Genie Plus reservation for yourself and your family or friends for the day, Go ahead, if it's something that's really ride or die, literally, there's no shame. And if you have the budget to do it, might as well. Again, I did it with my dad, Avatar Flight of Passage. He really likes it, we never get to do it. For me, the memory is way more valuable than the $15 per person that it costs. 
depending on the time of the day or park or time of year. <laughs> 